Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Jabarelli, and with my co-host this time, Blockchain John. How's it going, John? All good, buddy. All good. Just buying the dip. Yeah, buying the dip. Exactly. Um, so, that little thing we talked about just before the show. Hmm. Oh, disclaimer. All right. Disclaimer, this content <laughs> is for entertainment purposes only. Any comments made by the host or guest is not financial advice. All right, back to you. Let's go ahead and get started with the top 10 daily stats as well as the crypto news of the day. Top 10 daily stats. Maybe refresh my page so I'm up to absolute most recent numbers, which you may want to do too, John, since you're hosting the video for us. That's correct. All right. In the number one position, as always, is Bitcoin at $49,027.76, a seven-day loss of 9.9% and a market cap of under a trillion at $926.2 billion. It has fallen a lot for Bitcoin. I'm not worried at all. Number two, Ethereum at 41.4688, a 1.5% seven-day gain and a $491 billion market cap. Finance coin in position three at $552.10, a seven-day loss of 7.7% and a market cap of $92.7 billion. It's fallen under 100. Tether is in fourth position at $1. It almost always is a tiny little loss, but it's just because there's been a lot of trade going on. And a market cap of $76.2 billion. In fifth place, Solana at a current price of $189.68, a seven-day loss of 1.3%. And a market cap of 58 even billion dollars. Cardano is in sixth position at a price of $135. A <clears throat> unfortunate seven-day loss of over 10 or double digits here, 12.2%. A market cap of 43.4 billion. USD coin has made up has caught up two whole positions, even though it's a stable coin here, and it's currently sitting a little bit under a dollar. 99.99993, but it shows a seven-day loss of nothing. Interestingly enough, I think it's just because it's been down a lot, and a $40.9 million market cap. XRP has fallen down to position eight. Current price 79.78 cents. That's 0.79 dollars. A 15.2% double-digit loss over the last seven days. That's the reason it's fallen down so much, and a current. $37.6 billion market cap. In ninth position is Polkadot at $27.98, a 20% loss. That is the reason it's fallen so ridiculously far, far in this market. And we're going to be seeing a newbie getting into the 10th position once I get there. 20% loss over the last seven days and a $29.7 billion market cap. If anyone's watching on YouTube, you can probably see these really ugly red curves in the downward position. And in 10th place, Terra, the new one, Luna coin, at $67.15, a 54.4% seven-day gain up to $25.9 billion. It's going to catch Polkadot pretty soon if Polkadot keeps falling. And then just to mention the other 15 that we always talk about on occasion, well, I should say occasionally talk about, Doge, Avalanche, Shiba, Crypto, and Polygon. Polygon's finally reaching the top 15 here. Um, not going to talk about price or market cap, but just to get to the point that they're catching up with the top 10. Uh, so uh, Avalanche, which is tied to Terra, which is also tied to Solana, are all there kind of playing playing the field here in the top 15. On to, actually, uh, John, can you give us a, oh, wait, no, I keep forgetting. 
John's usually doing this, so I'm not thinking about it. Let's talk about the market cap for the entirety of all coins. We're currently at 2.39 trillion, which is down quite a bit, about almost half a trillion dollars down. Currently in the last 24 hours, 0.6% drop, but still quite a bit. Now, if you're a, a longtime diamond hodler like uh, John and I, then you're probably quite familiar with this kind of drop. It's not, not some people call it a bloodbath. We call it Tuesday. Mm -hmm. it's actually um, so if you haven't already collected your candies, I did. And although you'll be looking at John's, uh, I'm going to pick mine up right now, which will bring me almost to 10,000. I'm at 9990. Tomorrow I'll be crossing over the 10,000 mark again. Nice. But make sure to pick up your candies because you can get all kinds of neat little discounts. And sometimes, occasionally, CoinGeek will drop you a pretty little NFT, which John and I have picked up multiple times. Mm -hmm. And John, can you give us that little? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, did you notice the Bitcoin dominance? Oh, I'm really? uh, sorry. I that was uh, yeah, dude. That's kind of uh, that's ooh. Is it is what it considered alt season? Say again. Would you say this is alt season time? Um, well, I always thought it was alt season, but <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it. I don't. I don't know how to put it exactly. In Ethereum. And uh, uh, Bitcoin have always had this kind of rivalry going ever since Ethereum came on the market. Well, since since Ethereum took Litecoin's position um, as the second top uh, coin. But uh, since probably the last little month and a half, it's been hardcore alt season. The reason I said it is because gaming is the new NFT. <laughs> yeah. Even though NFTs are heavily involved in gaming, um, crypto the thing you're def we're definitely seeing right now is that as far as altcoins go the gaming scene is the big thing so lots of gaming tokens out there are getting a lot of i, I wouldn't be surprised if that two percent ish of bitcoin has gone all to gaming coins mm -hmm. so. all right cryptonauts remember if you appreciate our content like and subscribe and make sure you hit that notification bell we post every wednesday and sunday check us out on youtube discord and we are on Patreon, so if you want to support the podcast, you can head on over to Patreon. Uh, if you all want to uh, support with crypto donations, we accept Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, or the BAT token, and as well as the Ravencoin token. With that uh, said, yes, we need to add that, don't we? <laughs> mm -hmm. With that said, everything is in the description below. Below, below. All right, on to the news, which being Sunday, we don't have a heck, whole heck of a lot of news. There doesn't seem to be a lot to talk about or else the people don't want to write a lot on the weekend. We're not really sure. Our news typically comes from Decrypt. We were using Coindesk for a while, but uh, they went a different direction. So now we're just sticking back to Decrypt, which we do appreciate. This first piece of news comes from Andrew Hayward, uh, one of the most transformative. Say again? Andrew Hayward. Yeah, Andrew Hayward. Uh one of the most transformative moments in our lives, why Time, that's Time Magazine, is betting big on crypto and NFTs. When the NFT market exploded in March of 2021 and brought Web3 into the mainstream, a 98-year-old print magazine and news organization generated one of the most surprising headlines in the space, which Time is definitely known for. Time launched Ethereum NFTs based on iconic red-bordered magazine covers and generated nearly half a million dollars worth of ETH in the process. 
Bridging the nearly century-old brand into the crypto world was not planned for long. Time, Time President Keith Grossman told Decrypt, in fact, the NFT sale came together in a matter of weeks. Grossman said he first saw the potential for entering the NFT market following the sale of a classic Nyan Cat uh, meme in late February. There's the great philo- uh, me, there's the great philosopher Mike Tyson, who has the quote that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Grossman hmm. said. In this case, the surging NFT market and evolving use cases for blockchain tech were a staggering blow to the shift shifted, pardon me, that shifted the course of Time's path, Time's magazine. I looked in at that moment and it all just clicked on me, said, yeah, I did rather. Launching magazine covers as NFTs, which publications like Fortune, Rolling Stone, The Economist, and Vogue all done since this happened was just the tip of Time's Web3 play. Within weeks, the publication added cryptocurrency payments for its digital subscriptions and partnered with Grayscale to produce educational crypto content. Time was paid in Bitcoin from that deal and still holds it on its balance sheet. But Grossman didn't just want to buy crypto and sell NFTs. He was looking for a way to integrate NFTs and Web3 tech to, quote, change the relationship we have with customers, end quote. Given how quickly time has jumped into the space, that's ironic, and how rapidly the industry changes, Grossman added that he didn't know what it was like, what it was going to look like at the time, no pun intended, so he turned to the crypto community for guidance. I really got, I really spent a good part of six months just listening to Clubhouse and in Twitter spaces, check out our Twitter space, and talking to really influential, successful people within the space. Who knew way more than I, more than me about how I should think about our brand? He explained. That led me to Time Pieces, an Ethereum NFT collection, that was uh, that not only spotlights a number of artists from around the crypto industry, including the current artist in residence, twelve-year-old Nyla Hayes, but also provides holders access to Time's paid wallet web or pardon me, paywalled not wallet paywalled website. Launched in September, it pairs Web3 with the Gross, uh, with what Rossman describes as frictionless access and utility to a familiar Web2 interface. Here is a visual of a cover along with that uh, person there. Last month, Time began making metaverse moves in partnership with Galaxy Digital, including a newsletter, educational content, and a sponsored Time 100 Companies Metaverse category. Time was paid in Ethereum for the deals and will hold onto its ETH. The educational aspects suggest that the uh, kind of influence that Time wants to have in bringing in new, uh, probably bringing in, in newcomers. We take it really seriously, Grossman said. We've been around for 98 years, and our goal is to be around for another 98 years, if not longer. Moving forward, to be sure, many onlookers scoffed at the 98-year-old legacy media brand jumping onto the NFT bagwagon. Time was an outsider to crypto. Were the NFTs a desperate money grab, some wondered, but Grossman has been trying to push past the magazine's image as stodgy or old-fashioned since he became president in 2019. Last year, he told Digiday that Time has suffered, quote, 10 years of neglect, end quote, due to mismanagement and ownership transitions, and that he was eager to reach a new generation of readers. Rossman tells it he's been long uh, he's long been 
at the Axif Technology and Media. At Wired, he helped launch the tech magazine's first iPad edition, which the late Apple CEO Steve Jobs held up at an example of tablet reading done right. He also developed an award-winning ad tech at Ars Technica and launched Bloomberg's Quick Take streaming news platform. So he definitely has some experience under his belt. Beyond that, Grossman is a true believer in both Web3 technology and the community that has formed around it. He's an ever-present, he's ever-present on Twitter, popping up into spaces to discuss NFT collections and trends, sharing artwork from time drops, and extending a morning GM to his 28,000-plus followers. And yes, he has an .eth ENS domain at the end of his display name. Let's see if we got too much. No, we don't have too much more here. Uh, this moment that we're shifting from online renters to online owners may well be one of the most transformative moments in our lives, right? Because we're already online, he said. The notion that we could be online and be owners is absolutely mind-boggling. And this Web3 evolution of the internet plus finance to me is just incredible. Grossman has also connected with creators and collectors across the NFT space. He believes that some of the best creativity and some of the best IP is actually being developed today in this space. Recently, Time announced plans to create a kid's cartoon series around Roboto's uh, NFTs and previously collaborated with Cool Cats. Here's another tweet about that. He said that crypto and NFT community has very have been very giving with its time and energy to help Time, the magazine, make leap into Web3. One community member, he, he said, created a Discord server for Time pieces and handed over asking nothing in return. And Time are now trying to repay the generosity to the community, whether through showcasing up-and-coming creators, donating a portion of NFT sales to charity, or even half of all remaining NFT revenue with artists. It was really important to the time organization, Grossman said, that we started afresh. We did it the right way. Appreciate his candor and the fact that a relatively old company can remake itself. Yeah, I wish them all the best. Okay. Maybe the the Matthew DeSalvo? Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, the one above it. Yeah, the Bitcoin market dominance. Above it, uh, maybe I need to refresh. I thought, all right, whatever. Here, I'll just read it. Uh, it's Bitcoin market dominance sinks over weekend as Ethereum grows by Matthew DeSalvo. Amid this week in crypto's crash, Bitcoin's market dominance dipped nearly uh, to nearly its low level average. At one point on Saturday, when the entire crypto market was suffering, the market dominance of the first and largest cryptocurrency by market cap was just 38.32%. The only time it had dipped that low this year was in May, when it hit 37.76% according to CoinGecko data. And that's not far from from its lowest dominance ever in May 2018, when it briefly touched 33%. Throughout 2018, Bitcoin mostly hovered around 40%. Market dominance refers to one cryptocurrency's share of total crypto market cap. The entire crypto market cap right now stands at 2.4 excuse me, 2.4 trillion dollars, and Bitcoin's market cap is 924 billion dollars. This time last month, it was over 1 trillion dollars. Since Saturday, 
Bitcoin's dominance has picked up at the time of writing. TradingView puts uh, Bitcoin's dominance at 41%. The sell-off that started on Friday and accelerated Saturday hit the entire coin market cap. <clears throat> but but hit Bitcoin particularly hard. Concerns over Omicron's COVID-19 strain plus the Fed talking about a higher risk of inflation rattled traditional equity markets and crypto was not exempt. Bitcoin's price and market dominance has dropped as investors flogged the assets. As Sunday afternoon, Bitcoin's price has crept back up to $48,930, down just 1% over the past 24 hours and 10% in the past week. Ethereum, the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap, has also suffered in the past few days in terms of price. But its market dominance has actually gone up as people sell their Bitcoin. The latest figures from CoinGecko shows Ethereum's dominance was 20% on Saturday, the highest it's been since 2018. To put that in perspective, earlier this year in March, it was as low as 11%. Some commentators in the crypto world have said that the flippening uh, when Ethereum's market cap grows bigger than Bitcoin could be well on its way. Ethereum still has a long way to go before that happens, though. At that time of writing, its market cap was 46% less than Bitcoin's at $491 billion. All right, that was a short short, one. Yeah, short and sweet. Yeah, but at the same time, it's uh, just, you know, kind of a commentary, a quick commentary, almost more of an editorial than the news. But uh, yeah, it, it, other people talking about the flipping, I don't see the flipping coming soon. Mm -mm. I don't mean, to, I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth like I did last year <laughs> in November, but um, I right. still don't see Bitcoin. Ethereum, especially, I mean, unless the only thing I, I can see it being is that when Ethereum finally goes to 2.0 and it's no longer proof of work, mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to affect it. Because at that point, it's going to be in a lot fewer hands. Maybe it will increase in its value. I was really hoping to see Ethereum hit 7,500 before the end of the year. It's not financial advice, but I was expecting that. Um, and it's, you know, the highest it went was like 48, which is not bad. It's still a lot more than I ever expected to hit, you know, when I started on this a year and a half ago. <laughs> um, I knew about Ethereum the entire time you were in it. I just didn't think much of it. And I think it's the same thing. It goes with everything. It's like with Bitcoin, when Bitcoin is back at, let's say, $300 or so, $250, $300, I had Bitcoin. But back then, I didn't have a lot of money. So I couldn't, you know, and I didn't have the crystal ball that would tell me, oh, by the way, this will be worth, you know, 60 grand in the future. Um, but I still think that that crystal ball was is going to say that Bitcoin is going to be worth, you know, more than 100, probably more than $250,000 per coin in the future. I just don't know when that is. Um, but, you know, I bought some Bitcoin back then and I bought some Ethereum back then. But I just never, never thought until November of last year, I never thought Ethereum would ever break $1,000. Now, here we are. Ethereum is kind of sitting where Bitcoin was, um, what, 26, no, 2017? Mm -hmm. well, and then, of course, we can very likely see Ethereum go to, you know, 10 grand, like where, where Bitcoin or around somewhere between nine and $15,000, which is where Bitcoin sat for many years between the last peak and this peak. So, I very much see Ethereum doing the same kind of thing. We're like, oh, it's only you know, it's only like forty five hundred right now. Well, what about when it's thirteen thousand, right? 
why didn't you buy? No, I didn't have $4,000. Well, you could have bought, you know, $100 worth, and then that $100 would be worth $300. So, anyways, um, getting on to crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. Nice. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday. Um, I almost feel like you should be reading this, but I know you're not super up to reading right now. So, um, anyways, Tim Haki tells us more about crypto Twitter. Dorsey resigns. Musk trolls. Like he always does. Ben McKenzie becomes no coiner. What? Crypto Twitter markets tanked this Friday. I think we all know this by now. But aside from the plethora of opinions, jokes, and venting about damage, it was business as usual over on Crypto Twitter. To start with, former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey announced his resignation from his own company on Monday. The one he company he started 16 years ago. Elon Musk then trolled everyone. Later in the week about it, also former star of the OC, Ben McKenzie, has a new calling, Crypto Critic. Read on to see the roundup. Jack Dorsey kicked off things on Monday with announcement he's resigning from the position of CEO of Twitter. He tweeted his announcement with a letter praising his former team. Look at how long this is. How do you fit that much content into Twitter? That's important. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, he's the CEO. He can do what he wants. Um he tweeted this announcement letter praising his former team and successor, Twitter's CTO, uh, Parag Agarwal. Uh, many folks assumed Dorsey's next career move would be crypto-related due to his unabashed love of Bitcoin and indications that he could, that they could be right. Uh, there's the tweet and his resignation. Just one day later, Dorsey's crypto-friendly payments company Square renamed itself to Block in an apparent nod to blockchain. Also announced that Square Crypto, the arm of the company that supports Bitcoin developers, will be renamed to Spiral, Twitter handle Spiral BTC. Go figure. Another tweet about that. Following Dorsey's resignation, Tesla CEO and Dogecoin pumper Elon Musk trolled his followers and tweeted a meme in the in which Parag Agarwal's face was superimposed on a picture of Stalin walking with his associates. In the meme. <laughs> Dorsey replaces Nikolai uh, Yezov, a former so uh, Soviet spy who fell from Stalin's favor and was executed, was subsequently airbrushed out of the original picture. Now it looks like Dorsey left, Dorsey left on good terms internally, though maybe not with Elliott management, the, uh, yeah, but the activist hedge fund that reportedly wanted him out for years. So Musk is raising a giggle. But as Dorsey leaves, it's open speculation on how far Twitter will continue to integrate crypto. The company made headway on this last month when it announced it had founded a special blockchain team to, quote, incorporate decentralized technology into their products and infrastructure, end quote. Will Twitter now back away from Bitcoin or go bigger on Ethereum with Bitcoin maxi Dorsey out of the way? On Monday, hacker Jane Wong was able to reveal more about possible crypto features in Twitter. She managed to add her Ethereum wallet to Twitter's tips function. Wong said that the feature will be uh, pardon me, the feature has been buried there since September. Next up, you may have missed this, but TV star Ben McKenzie who is perhaps best known for his roles as Ryan Atwood on The OC and young Jim Gordon on Gotham has become a fervent and vocal crypto critic. McKenzie's made it a passionate hobby to call attention to the volatile and scammy underbelly of crypto trading and criticize other celebrities who have promoted tokens. And I'm not disagreeing with him. 
There's a tweet about that with a video. Uh, McKenzie had gotten so vocal about crypto recently that CNN did a profile on him in his new capacity as one of the sector's toughest critics. Cursory glance at McKenzie's timeline shows that his crypto commentary is pretty wide ranging and very little escapes the glare of his headlamps as he scrutinizes like the Tether, DeFi, and various celebrity-backed projects. Wonder what he thinks of Dogecoin. Hmm. Anyways, not a whole lot of news in the last four days, but yeah, Jack Dorsey is probably the big thing leaving, but he's only leaving to go do what crypto Twitter is already about, Mm -hmm. crypto. Yep. So um, let's see if there's any other articles we might want to pursue here. Buddy um, Yacht Club artist Seneca releases new Ethereum NFTs. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, Chainlink, Filecoin hit hardest in market wipeout. Would you trust uh, a cartoon cat with your money? Hmm. Uh, the metaverse land grab is here. Should you move in? That's you, interesting to me. Uh, um, what do you want to read? Unless you want to read that one. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I do because that's like the thing, right? Yep. All right, the Metaverse land grab is here. Should you move in? Written by Daniel Roberts. On Friday, someone spent $450,000 for a plot of virtual land next next door to Snoop Dogg's mansion in the Snoopverse, a section of the Metaverse world, the sandbox. Snoop tweeted out our story on the price tag and said, that's a bargain. He might prove to be right. Metaverse land sales top $100 million this week alone. That includes $2.43 million for a parcel of land in Decentraland and a record $4.3 million for real estate in the sandbox. This is insane. It might be tempting to dismiss all this metaverse madness as the latest internet spending bubble, but the data points are adding up. The metaverse is growing. It's a real thing. And many, many people are going to spend many, many hours there in the future. The sandbox isn't even fully live yet. It launched an alpha test this week. No matter, its token sand is up 82% in the past month, while Decentraland's token mana is up 35% in a month. The irony of Facebook's rebrand to Meta is that while crypto people mocked the company and its stock suffered, it embraced uh, its embrace of the metaverse boosted Metaverse's token. Why all the hype? The metaverse is not new as a buzzword or a concept, despite Mark Zuckerberg's effort to brand it as his own. Neil Stephenson coined the term in his seminal 1992 novel, Snow Crash, and even before that, William Gibson's Neuromancers was set in the virtual realm. Just like Ready Player One, iconic computer games for the early 2000s like The Sims, Second Life, and Animal Crossings were all metaverse games. But now, things are getting serious as individuals spend real money for virtual homes and big brands rush in to, to stake their claim. Snoopverse meets the Budverse and Tinderverse. At least you can think the, think the metaverse is just for playing games. NFT artists can prove otherwise. Eddie Gangland, whose skull-themed NFTs were on display at a party thrown by Gary Vaynerchuk's at Art Basel in Miami this week, recounted in June how a stranger struck up a chat with him while he was setting up a virtual gallery inside the Ethereum's hosted metaverse space crypto voxels and then bought one of his NFTs. Real humans communi- 
uh, real human communications are happening in the metaverse and they're leading to investments of real money and here is a tweet from Eddie Gangland of course many people are buying tokens tied to the digital realm aren't actually spending any time there which suggests they're using metaverse tokens as workaround investments for buying actual virtual property much like buying coinbase stocks or a bitcoin future etf as a way to gain exposure to bitcoin for now the tokens are surging the land sales are multiplying and it all suggests a future in which the metaverse becomes a thriving parallel to the physical metaverse Metaverse. Metaverse, not metaverse. Oh, yeah, metaverse. <laughs> I just noticed that metaverse. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe he did or maybe he did not mean to do that. If we mouse over the link and see if anybody has actually quoted it as metaverse from that tweet. Metaverse, let's see. Yeah, it's, it literally is metaverse, not metaverse. Uh, so, yeah, we are, we are physically in the metaverse versus the virtual metaverse. This is a this is Roberts on crypto. We can call him from Decrypt Edition in Chief, Daniel Roberts, and Decrypt Executive Editor Jeff John Roberts. Sign up for the Decrypt emails newsletter. Okay, blah blah blah. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, furthermore, um, yeah, uh, let me let me read this one about gas prices or gas gas fee gripes rather, because this is. Easily my big, my personal biggest gripe with Ethereum, and it always has been, mm -hmm. fees were relatively low comparatively. So, uh, Liam Shelley writes, gas fee gripes aren't exclusive to Ethereum. This is true. Uh, a few weeks ago, the debate over Ethereum's high gas fees and usability heated up again at the time when rival smart contracts networks like Solana and Avalanche were gaining traction. The gas fees aren't likely to remain a huge issue on De DeFi no matter which chain you use. Uh, pardon me, are likely, not aren't likely. Ethereum, the first and most popular smart contract enabled layer one blockchain, is extremely expensive to use. Simply sw token swap, simple token swaps on decentralized exchanges can cost hundreds of dollars. I know I did this last week, let alone more complex DeFi activity like yield farming. And this isn't a particularly new phenomenon. If you remember back in 2017, a fun little crypto game called CryptoKitties went viral and wreaked ha similar havoc on Ethereum gas fees. Thankfully, gas fees eventually receded. These days, they're back with a vengeance. In fact, throughout the bull market, which uh, we could say started around January 2020, fees on Ethereum have remained a painful topic of discussion for users. There have been certainly big spikes and drops, but the average gas, the price of gas has never been this high for this long. That's because as the bull run continues, more users pile into the networks every day. The narrative has naturally been a huge boon for competing layer one networks, particularly Solana and Avalanche. They pitch an equally rich crypto experience as Ethereum minus the prohibitive cost of transacting. And for the most part, these networks have made good on their promises. A batch of the latest transaction Solana cost has a cost of just 0 0.000005 sol. That's, uh, what is it? Five leading zeros on the five. At today's prices, that would be, uh, let's see here, one one-hundredth of a cent, a fraction of a penny. On Avalanche, the price of transaction is also low, with the average transaction hovering around 58 nanoAVAX, or a five zero and a six. Just one nanoAVAX equals, oh God, uh, one 
hundred billionth of an AVAX, by the way. For context, context uh, depositing just 50 USDC, USD uh, coin on, that's, that's Coinbase's stablecoin, on the popular lending and borrowing service Aave through Ethereum costs $156. So three times what you were trying to deposit. The transaction on Avalanche costs 0.01 AVAX or $1.13. Kevin Sicknicki, Avalanche's CEO, has also said that the fee estimates shown on the popular crypto wallets are incorrect, so that even $1.13 might be a tad bit high. And here is a photo of what that would cost would be on um, MetaMask. If you just joined are only now catching up with this con uh, conversation. Choosing between the two chains is pretty easy. Spending roughly $1 instead of $100, same service is a no-brainer. But if you've been in the Avalanche ecosystem for the past three months, you might be a little irked. Hmm. Almost $2 for a small transaction on Pangolin, wrote a Redditor back in August when using Pangolin, a decentralized exchange on Avalanche, seemed seems like no one talks about this. Is it just me? Who cares? How do you, do you want to make P2E games on this? We'll go back to a lower fees chain prob problem. Or probably, I think is what you say. Another wrote, I'm very impressed with the speed of this network. But in terms of fees, Polygon and KuCoin networks are far, far cheaper. I can make over a thousand transactions per week. So, uh, so Evax in its current state just is not for me. Sound familiar? Yes. Uh, it's essentially the same conversation the Ethereum community has been having since the network encountered the issue in 2017. And if Avalanche continues to gather more on the market, you can expect to see many of these issues moving ahead. Sekniki himself also admitted that he doesn't expect Avalanche to keep thousands of transactions per second at low fees. And just like Ethereum, Avalanche has a scaling solution for this issue called subnets. These are similar to sidechains in Ethereum that batch activity away from the network's mainnet and allow for the higher throughput at lower cost. There are a lot to unpack regarding these similarities and differences between the two chains, but I think you get the gist of what's happening here. These kinds of networks are essentially fee markets in which transactions compete for a block space to uh, be processed. As the block space fills up due to an increase in activity, the market becomes all the more competitive. If you're playing this game like Avalanche, Solana, and Ethereum all are, then one of the primary ways to alleviate this competition is to increase the block size. But there are, of course, others. There is roughly, uh, this is roughly what Solana and Avalanche have done. The trade-off here is that becoming a node operator or validator in such a network has much higher hardware demands because the blocks make up, take up a ton of data. This could cause a centralization risk as smaller players are essentially priced out of being a node operator or validator. Anyway, no matter how you slice it, the activity inevitably uh, begets higher prices. And to, be, to bring this idea to a head, if uh, we are to imagine that blockchain technology is to underpin all financial markets, the current design landscape means the future is probably going to be expensive. So... This is the problem I personally see, and I, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if there's anything that's immune to it. Um, I know Raven currently doesn't cost a lot, but my question, and this was the earliest interview we did with Tron uh, in one of those chats was, what if Raven goes to 
voters. It, it may never do that, but let's say 100. Let's say, you know, 50. It's currently at 10 cents, roughly. If it costs 50 times 500 to mint an NFT, or no, it's an asset, right? Mm -hmm. A main asset, yeah. Main asset. If you want a main, and, and main asset, currently 500 times 0.1 is 50 bucks. It's pretty cheap, um, relatively speaking, uh, based on inflation and all. Uh, $50 100 years ago would be a lot of money, but today it's not too bad. If Raven goes to $100, that 50 times 100 would be five grand. And people will be going like, yeah, I can't afford to do a main asset anymore. That's too expensive. Now, an NFT is only, what, five Raven? Correct. So 100 times five, that's 500. That's not too shabby. But it's still much more than the average person can do just for one NFT. So it's, it's going to have to, in some sense, artificially deflate the price in hmm. order to make transactions continue on the network or else only the people with gobs of money Gobs yes, I said gobs, gobs again. We'll have to, we'll be the players in this space. You know, in regards to gas fees, I was trying to move out some uh, some dust that I had, some crypto dust that I had in a wallet. It was literally like rounding up to like two bucks, two dollars. And it was going to cost me like $130 in transaction fees. That's insane. Yep. I go, you guys, uh, no, no, that's not going to happen, man. Not for two dollars. It's like, I need my $2. I'm willing to burn $130. No, no, that's not going to happen. Mm -mm. No, no. It, it, in that point, it's not about money anymore. It's a question of, did you need this transaction for something? No, I'll just lose it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm going to compare this to a real world uh, uh, scenario. In the real world, particularly in California, where John and I both live, um, the, the police, the local police force pretty much will not pursue a theft issue if it's less than a thousand dollars in value anything over a thousand dollars is considered grand theft anything less than a thousand dollars is considered theft and if it is not a significant value item the police just won't pursue it because it's not in their interest as as community serving uh officials to pursue something of so little value hmm. now the problem with this i guess is the example i'm using is that thieves know this so they know that the cops will not pursue a relatively cheap cost theft. And so that's why we're having the thing like happened in Nordstrom. I don't know if anybody is, you know, out of out of the country knew about this happening uh, early, late, late November here in the in the um, holiday season. Mm -hmm. As a bunch of people are going in and just stealing. Well, this is at that point, it's grand theft. But a lot of individuals stealing relatively small amount of money isn't going to be pursued by the cops as much. But yeah, if, if someone's stealing, you know, something that's worth only 250 bucks or a hundred bucks, you have no recourse. You can report it, but the cops aren't going to pursue it. Hmm. And that's the example I keep thinking of here is, is you're leaving, you know, $2 on the table with some exchange because you can't afford to pull that money out. You, you have no recourse at all. You just have to leave that money there. There's one more article I want to read here from Jeff Benson. FTX releases crypto regulatory wish list as SBF prepares to testify before Congress. Hmm. Let's see what's going on there. FTX, one of the top cryptocurrency exchanges for derivatives and spot trading today, released a wish list for what is hoping to see in U.S. crypto regulations. 
FTX key principle for market regulation of crypto trading platform follows regulatory recommendations by competitors Coinbase and Binance as FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried prepares to testify before Congress next week about crypto innovation. The policy document outlined 10 principles it believes will lead to superior outcome for investors and indeed the public. At the top of the list, it is called for a primary market regulator, something that would remove red tape for FTX, which offers spot and derivatives trading. Currently, the Securities and Exchange Commission has primary jurisdiction over securities, which includes many tradable digital assets and the Commodity Futures Trading Commissions looked after derivatives such as Bitcoin futures. FTX recommends moving away from the fragmented approach and allowing crypto trading platforms to choose a single, single regulator. FTX list also includes disclosures for platforms that act as crypto custodians, i.e. centralized exchanges that can control how assets are used, limit trading, or lock access to accounts. Reporting requirements for transactions and minimum standards for stablecoins to ensure they are not backed by risky and volatile assets. Other exchanges are also taking a proactive approach in D.C. In October, Coinbase issued a clarion call for a single regulatory re regime in its digital asset policy proposal. To avoid dealing with multiple regulators' responsibility over digital assets, markets should be assigned to a single federal regulator, it wrote. Its authority would include a new registration process established for Marketplace for Digital Assets, MDAs, and appropriate disclosures to inform purchasers of digital assets. Coinbase later clarified that the proposal never never called for a new regulator. It was regulator agnostic. Leading global exchange Binance, meanwhile, took a different approach last month, releasing a quote-unquote bill of rights for crypto users. While not as comprehensive as Coinbase's or FTX's documents, it did admit that platforms have an obligation to protect users from bad actors and that derivatives platforms should be subject to the appropriate regulations. FTX's uh, Bankman Freed is set to join Coinbase CFO Alicia Haas to testify on December 8th before the House Financial Service Committee chaired by uh, Rep Representative Maxine Waters, uh, the session digital assets and futures of finance. Understanding the challenges and benefits of financial innovations in the United States is part of an extended effort by Chairwoman Waters to create policies to that protects consumers wading into the crypto marketplace. In June, she announced the Digital Assets Working Group composed of committee Democrats to consider how to devise legislation to support responsible innovations that protect consumers and investors while promoting greater financial inclusion. FTX is ready to tell Congress it doesn't need to reinvest, uh, reinvent the wheel. Writing of its primary regulator proposal, FTX says, much of this can be achieved today under existing statutory authority with uh, and with creativity and cooperations by and among market regulators. It admits, though, with some specific issues, however, clarity might be needed from legislation. Hmm. Yep. Okay. It sounds like these exchanges kind of want to just take the bull by the horns and... Uh, do it themselves. I think that's the best approach, actually. I understand that um, that Congress wants, uh, you know, the government wants to get involved, but obviously the exchanges are in the middle of this. They're dealing with the customers. They're dealing with the bad guys. They're dealing with all these issues. Let them write the policies and propose it. 
well, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like self-regulating gaming industry. Um, they're like, look, we would much prefer to have a say in this rather than you guys just telling us what to do. So let us try to police ourselves. And then you guys judge our policing. Correct. Rather than you just coming in here and telling us, no, 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 no. And you're like, well, you're just you're squeezing us to death. And they're like, well, you asked. We don't know what we're talking about. Us, the government, doesn't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You guys know what you're talking about. Why don't you write the rules and we'll figure out if we like them. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not 100% for self-regulation, but the the moralistic people within the industry will write good rules. And then hopefully the government will say, okay, we agree that that is helpful to the people, not just to your bottom line. Mm-hmm. It's weird when it, it's weird when an industry becomes big enough that it uh, it has to then suddenly serve the greater good instead of just serving itself. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Google thought it was thinking of the example is like you know Microsoft was sued because it was a paid service. When you buy these things, you're forced to use this, and you're thinking, well, it's their private product. Why would it matter? Well, Microsoft owned eighty percent of the market, which means at that point. They're, they're the only thing people use, right? Mm-hmm. So the government's like, well, you can't force people to do this with me. And you're saying, well, it's our private thing. What, what difference does it make? And they're like, no, you are the majority of everything people use. At this point, it's now a government issue because mm-hmm. you're everything. If you don't get that big, we probably won't care. And Google's argument was this, on the same level. Right? People are like, well, you're too big. You're the only thing people use. And Google's like, we don't charge you for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no fee. You can go use... DuckDuckGo or or uh, you know whatever Microsoft does, Bing, right? GoDaddy. Um, you can use whatever you want. There's no fee here. Just FDs. because we're the biggest doesn't mean we're making you do this. We don't make you do this. You're mm-hmm. just choosing to do it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the argument for Microsoft being the thing you have to pay for, right? You don't actually have to pay for it, but most people had already paid. At that point, the government had a valid point. Mm-hmm. At the point, I still argue, I'm, a, I'm still on Google's side, and I have no monetary stake in it. My stake is, if you have other choices, even if they're not as good, there's still other choices. Google being the best, but not costing you anything, is your choice. It's not something that, that the government should be allowed to regulate just because there aren't better choices. That's like saying capitalism doesn't work. No, it does work. Google's a proof of that. <laughs> Anyways, it's a weird kind of backwards argument. Like, well, we didn't know. It's like, well, too bad. <laughs> you guys wrote the rules. We just followed them, and now you don't like them anymore? Hmm, sounds sounds a little bit hypocritical. Anyways. All right. Uh, I don't have any more news that I'm in that you're going too far back. Uh, nope, normally, true. Sundays are a bit short, and we are already – how long have we gone? 47. Yeah, I think that's probably far enough. So Perfect. you want to wrap this up with a parting Absolutely. plug? Absolutely. All right. Remember, if you appreciate our content, like and subscribe. And make sure to check us out every Wednesday and Sunday uh, on YouTube or on uh, Anchor. All right. Check us out on Discord as well. Come join us. We've been doing Twitter spaces regularly, um, almost like daily or if not every other day. So come, <laughs> come hang out with us over there. Um, if you want to support us, you can support us using Patreon or with crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Bat, or Raven. And all of that 
is in the description below. Oh, with that said, we appreciate it for everyone to be here. And I will be signing off today in the traditional blockchain job method by saying stack sets and hodl. Adios.